Feel it coming in the air Yeah And the screams from everywhere Yeah I'm addicted to the thrill I'm ready It's a dangerous Stop. love affair Can't be scared when it goes down Got a problem, tell me Stop. now Only thing that's on my mind Is who gon' this town tonight Hey, welcome into the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show we are live. I am in studio. This is Demi Lachey once again. It is Tuesday, Taco Tuesday at that, out here in the Valley. Kwame Lasseter is he's out once again. I think he's still stuck in the state of Virginia. A lot of snow going on, and I think he should be calling in on the show today. If not, you can call in yourself at 888-346-9144. Call in during the first segment right now or... During the second segment, third segment, we like to just keep it off the lines. You just got to wait till the next day. It is Tuesday. Tomorrow we are having a break. We are not live tomorrow, but we will be live on Thursday. And with it being Tuesday, like I said before, it's Taco Tuesday. A lot of places out here to definitely go to. My favorite place to go to is Local Patron. Definitely keep the tacos going. It's a dollar after 3 p.m. Music playing. Uh, it's a little late. Not really like a late night festivity, but just after work hours, after a few of these little meetings I got set up today. Can't wait to sit back, chill, relax, watch some basketball that will be on tonight. Um, the big basketball college, that is, in the NCAA men's, is between Kansas University, the Jayhawks, going against University of Kentucky up in New York. Part of the classic, the tip-off marathon classic hosted. It'll be shown on ESPN. And the number five KU Jayhawks are taking on number one team in the country. John Calipari's Red Hot Wildcats coming off a great run in the NCAA tournament last season. Have a good start to the season thus far. Have tons of tons of young talent and a bunch of talent returning from his team. From last season, that made it to the national championship and almost pulling it off against UConn. And they, they hosting, they, well, they will be considered the home team, not necessarily hosting, but they're playing a great Kansas Jayhawks team. And Bill Self, he's re, rebounding off that uh, sensational freshman class he recruited last season, and he has, once again, a sensational freshman class this season. And he's looking to bounce back from a team led by Andrew Wiggins last season, who is now in the NBA with the Minnesota Timberwolves who got bounced around because Cleveland didn't want him. And he also lost his number one center, uh, number one recruit last season was Joel Embiid. And he is now with Philadelphia 76ers, sending it out this season. So it's, it's going to be a great battle. Two young teams, two young basketball talents going at each other today. Or should I say tonight, later on tonight, between Kansas Jayhawks and the Kentucky Wildcats. But before that game, there will be another game um, that's going to be scheduled. Pretty much ESPN has a deep marathon run of games. They do this every season. I think it's a great, great deal. Some people are not that happy with it because of the attention that it brings. It brings um, students away from the school aspect. It's just a tip-off tournament type deal. Well, not even a tournament, just a classic. That games are being played 24 hours a day. Some schools and fans or whatnot are kind of disappointed because his teams are his games and teams are being played at like five a.m., three a.m. in the morning. It's just round ball classic of television kickoff of the NCAA men's basketball, 
And I don't see, I don't necessarily see the problem with it. I think it's a great deal to keep um, basketball fans, especially NCAA basketball fans, intact. It gives you an opportunity to actually look at all teams and not specifically stuck to those powerhouse top 25 teams. But a lot of, you know, programs are becoming upset, athletic directors, kids are not attending classes. They basically have a free ride because they have games at 3 in the morning or 4 or 5 in the morning. And students necessarily try to go to those games, try to see those games in the mid-afternoons, mid-morning time, and even late night, early morning. And just to stay up and just to watch the games, and they get excused from class because, they, oh, they attended the games, and they were wanting to go to the performances before the game or whatnot. I think it's a great deal. Every, I think every every program, every sport should tune into this, have a round ball 24-hour segment of just nonstop of that sport, just that whole day, just to catch everyone's attention. You never know who's going to be watching just certain games, especially in the NCAA. I mean, I applaud this. They even throw women's basketball in it, which last night happened to be one of the biggest upsets in quite some time, which Gina Oriema and his UConn Huskies and the women's side of college basketball they got upset last night. Their 47-game win streak got upheld once again by the Stanford Lady Cardinal, who beat them back in 2010, who ended their, what was it, 90-game winning streak, 88? They beat John Wooden's 88-game winning streak. And Gina Oriema had about 90-so games in a row, went to go into Stanford Cardinal, played the Lady Cardinals, and they lost them back in 2010. And history just repeated itself. Just last night, when the women's, when the Cardinal women's once again beat Gino Oriema's Lady uh, Lady Huskies, that's a big deal. I mean, forty-seven games, UConn is just unstoppable. They still have the All-American back in Brianna Stewart, and the Cardinal, the Lady Cardinals. I mean, they have tons and tons of upperclassmen on their team from the game last night. And it was it was a great game all the way through. The game went to overtime. I actually tuned into it probably about mid mid to almost late second half. It was about seven to eight minutes to go. So I guess you could say mid second half. And the lady, you know, the lady Huskies, they looked like they were struggling. Couldn't run their offense like the like you usually see in them. Run up and down the court, easy layups, open jump shots. I seen a few of those. It was times where it was times where you know I thought that. The game was going to explode. I thought UConn found their way. They had they started to get open shots, but then the Lady Cardinal they just found ways. They just kept finding ways to stick around, get back into the game, and then they pulled it off. It was a deep three by this lady on the Lady Cardinals' last name Oran. She was she led them in scoring last night. But not only that, she hit the three pointer. To send the game right in overtime in the last few seconds, which is incredible. I mean, I jumped out of the seat. I thought I was watching March Madness, but it's only November. So, therefore, I had to settle back in, settle back down. And I think that's a great deal, a great way of kicking off uh, women's basketball. Not only that, the whole NCAA aspect of basketball. Yeah, it's a big surrounding thing around March Madness, but I think this deep threat, this 24-hour marathon that ESPN does with all these games, I think it almost competes with the NCAA tournament. And the more years that after with this tournament, with this, excuse me, round ball classic that ESPN 
exposes out this 24-hour deal, I think it's only going to get better for the sport. More teams are going to – you're going to see more competitive, more top 25 teams maybe trying to play each other, one another, because it's games on 24-7. Somebody is going to pass either ESPN or ESPN2. Every game is going to be shown. Sometimes some games were on ESPNU. And I think it's a great deal. I caught one of my friends' game. He just transferred to SMU. He's one of my good friends and Justin Martin. He came from Xavier Musketeers. Shout out to Xavier. But he transferred there for his last season. And, I mean, it's, it was he was the second leading scorer for Xavier, second leading rebounder. I mean, he played a major role with the Musketeers. Transferred his last year out, got his bachelor's degree after his junior after his junior season on the court but really he was a senior in the classroom he redshirted his freshman season and now he's with SMU he he had a little leg injury but ties the points I got to see SMU finally play um I didn't get too much they didn't get too many too much TV time last season and that's incredible about this marathon as well you see a lot of teams that you hear about that make big runs but you you don't really quite see them and then this season brings out Oh, they you even got a chance to see Wichita State today. You get a they take on Memphis. And I from being from Indiana State University, I watch Wichita State. I wish the world could have watched them even more before they even hit the tournament and this is a great basketball team. But not only that, I got like I said, I got to see a lot of my good old friends playing around this twenty four marathon um twenty four marathon classic that ESPN displays and but they ran to the Gonzaga, SMU ran to Gonzaga last night, and Gonzaga put on a show and blowing out SMU on their home court. It was pretty bad. But the big games, and I like the way that they close out this big marathon. They close out with big-time teams and them playing it at each other. Are they playing against each other in Madison Square Garden where every basketball player loves and dreams and thinks about that's the first basketball place you hear about when you hear the game of basketball. Where do you always want to play? Madison Square Garden or Rucker Park? The state of New York, the city of New York City, of course, the city of bright lights. And that's where the whole marathon comes in. The closing to the 24 hours comes down. It closes with Michigan State playing Duke and Mike Krzyzewski and Tom Izzo going at each other. And then you got Bill Self and John Calipari, like stated before, they play at 9 p.m., after Michigan State and Duke go at one another. Now, the Michigan, Michigan State and Duke game, when those two, two teams play, no matter what they're ranked, no matter what one team could be ranked, one team could not be ranked in top 25, preseason or after season, they always have a good, a great game between one another. You don't know who's going to win. Tom Izzo, he's a wizard at coaching, especially leading the Big Ten in the past few seasons and had his championship runs. And then he goes against Mike Krzyzewski, who is – they're pretty much the, the professor of coaching basketball right now. I mean, this guy, Shiseski, he does it all. He does it all with the U.S. men's basketball program. Not, long, not only that, but he turned around the face of Duke University, changed around their franchise and their program, and turned into the powerhouse that they are in today's world, in today's society, from where they came from before Shiseski got there. Not only that, Mike Shiseski has a preseason All-American and this kid is projected to be a first first team All American, and not only that, this guy could be Player of the Year. This kid named Jaleel Okafor, he had 17 points after scoring 19 points the night before in his back to back games, which led them to be two and zero right now. And this guy, he's the name to be. He's the big time name to watch tonight, along with his 
other teammates, this guy named Justin Winslow. These are both two true freshmen. Winslow's averaging 16 and a half as well. And I don't know if Michigan State has enough to, to compete with this, with these stars that Duke has, but it's a great game to tune into because you never know what Tom is going to bring to the table. He's always presenting a strong defensive team. And you just, it's just one of those great games you got to tune into. And both, you're seeing both head coaches go at it. It's going to be a great one to watch tonight. And it's a great way to end the marathon and getting it, college basketball kicked off. I mean, you already seen the women's basketball upset. And it's many more upsets that you want to see. It's giving you opportunity to see teams, like I said before, that you heard about last season, see them make deep runs, see them almost make the tournament, see these guys make the tournament. But you never seen them play. But they give them an opportunity to play on national television, on ESPN Network. So tune into that tonight. Gives the college basketball a huge kickoff to their season. Not only that, there was another game last night being played in the NFL. It was a Monday night football. A lot, a lot of sports going on right now. So, so much to watch. Golf tournament just kicked off as well. But last night was a Monday night football game in the NFL between the Pittsburgh Steelers going into Nashville, going into Tennessee to play the play the host of the Tennessee Titans, which I thought it was going to be a blowout game. I predicted. Pittsburgh was just going to go in there and just walk all over Tennessee. But Tennessee proved me wrong, and they made it a competitive game. With them being up 17, 13 at halftime, I was like, wow. This tells the truth that maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't who I thought they were. But they came out second half, Big Ben stepped up in the fourth quarter and just put the game to rest by scoring two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, leading um, Pittsburgh on those last two drives. And them coming out on top, making a making a stop on the um, on the Tennessee Titans, and you know Tennessee, they pretty much impressed me. You know, I was impressed by Mettenberger. He threw for two hundred sixty-three yards. He only turned over the ball once, but he threw two touchdown scores early. And I was I was very impressed. I thought he was going to come out, and I thought Pittsburgh was going to be too much, but. I mean, Mettenberger, he, he looked pretty good. He threw an 80-yard bomb uh, to Nate Washington kind of late in the second quarter, almost before halftime, and I thought that was incredible. And then coming out late in the third quarter to almost put the game away. I mean, you're talking two back-to-back touchdown passes um, from Mettenberger. Not only that, he was leading his team on the drive, uh, especially with that, that late third quarter touchdown. They went 11 plays, 77 yards, and that was all because of the display that Mettenberger was doing. I mean, he was slicing and he was slicing up that Steelers defense. Not only that, he was not worried about the pass rush, but he did. He led them on that drive. I mean, they really couldn't get much out of the rushing game. Pittsburgh had that on lock, which you know that was kind of predicted. But Mettenberger, he he really showed. You know, I I I think he deserved to be starting quarterback. This is a good time for the Titans to, you know, kind of surround their way around Mettenberger, watch him develop, let him t- let him get his time in. I know it's probably, what, his second or third start. I mean, I'll give him time to develop. I mean, he was a late-round draft pick. He wasn't no first-round, second-round pick, but Tennessee, I think they found their quarterback for the future and just let him get him time to develop. They're not gonna, they know they're not going to win now, but finish out this season with Mettenberger. Don't come in and bring in a old free agent quarterback and a guy who has 
numerous years of experience of a backup and try to bring him in as a starter because that's just going to cause controversy. Not only that, you're going to take Sean away from a guy like Zach, Zach Mettenberger out of LSU. You're going to take Sean away from him. You're going to take his development as well. Let this kid develop and let him do his thing. They do have a pretty good a decent um, receiving core, but that's only going to get better by the young guys of Kevin Wright and Justin Hunter. But Nate Washington, I mean, he ended the game just with that one catch. He only been targeted twice, but he's, quote-unquote, their leading receiver. And he had that one big play for 80 yards. Like I said, like Medberger, he, he, he has a strong arm. He's going to take those chances. And I think you can ride him out with it. And they were they, they impressed me last night for a Monday night football game. I thought they was going to. Not come out, not show anything, but they show some pride. They tried to play through it, stick with it, and Medberg is just only going to get better at the end of the ball game. And yesterday prediction, you know, I told you all to tune into Antonio Brown, which he ended last night's game with nine catches, ninety-one yards, and a touchdown. And I told everyone to tune in. He's not he's not going to make spectacular plays here or there, but he does what his receiver's supposed to do. He gets targeted eleven times and makes nine receptions. I mean, this guy, he, he makes plays. When he makes plays when Roethlisberger needs him to, and Big Ben found him, you know, more times than anyone else. And, yes, he does get targeted the most, but he's he's always open. He knows how to get open. He's a great receiver, like I said, top five receiver. Not only that, the likes of LaDavion Bell, the life of LaDavion Bell f- came through for Pittsburgh in a whole nother way, a whole nother level. That I didn't think Bell could even do it. But he ran for a career high, 204 rushing yards on 33 carries. Had one score, but this guy was just pounding it down deep, down Tennessee's throat. Even when they were down, even when Pittsburgh was down, they were still giving Le'Veon Bell the ball, and he just he did what he was supposed to do. I mean, he was opening up passing opportunities for Big Ben, who only finished the game with 207 passing yards, but to have a career day like that was incredible. We're going to take a quick break. But after the break, we'll come back and talk more about um, the last night's Monday Night Football, some, some more college basketball, and the women's upset. Like I said, UConn take, losing to the Lady Cardinal. But we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back. you listen to the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. On the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Hey, welcome back to the Call Me Lasseter Sports Talk Show. I'm in studio live. This is Demry Lachey. We have Kwame Lasseter. He is out once again today, still stuck in the state of Virginia. But he went back home like stated yesterday. He's back at home visiting a lot of family and friends who hadn't seen in a while. He really doesn't get back much to the state of Virginia um, like he wants to. But uh, he finds time where he has to, and he loves it, you know. It's a great deal that he went back and spent time with those friends, old friends and family, and hopefully he'll be back with us on Thursday. You can call in today at 888-346-9144. Please call in, join the show, not only today, but also Thursday. Since we're off tomorrow, you call in Thursday, Friday, get in, call in. You know, we love to talk with anyone and everyone calling on the show. Now, before break, I was going on talking about, you know, the big 24-hour marathon that the NCAA basketball presents and how a lot of you know, a lot of administration and presidents of these universities don't really like the fact that ESPN presents this 24-hour deal just around college basketball. And I, I absolutely, I applaud it. I, I, it gives attention more to the athletes in competing in, in this NCAA, competing in college. It gives them the opportunity to display the show. So you're not only looking at several certain amount of teams um, throughout the season, because you know you're only going to see a lot of Syracuse, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas games. I mean, which is well respected around the, like, University of Arizona. You, those games are really respected. Those teams, those programs have definitely deserved to have more TV time than anyone else, not taking that away. But it gives you opportunity to see smaller colleges. It gives you opportunity to see, or should I say, smaller universities, those mid-major teams who make a run in the tournament and then – when tournament time comes around, you're predicting, you know, your predictions for the tournament and gambling, making those bets. It gives you opportunity to remember back when that 24-hour marathon was going on. Like, hey, I remember that team. They upset it or they played it pretty well against this team. And look, they won the tournament throughout the season. It gives you opportunity to, you know, have a better prediction system so everybody can it'd be more competitive with your whole prediction. That way you know more of what you're looking at, what you're seeing when the tournament finally comes out. But I think it's a great deal for the exposure of every single level of college basketball um, that's in the Division One that plays in um, the Division One level, women's and men's at that. Because, like I said last night, was it was it was a tremendous ball game. If you didn't watch the women's, the ladies, the Lady Cardinal coming on top of the Lady Huskies in overtime. I mean that game was incredible. The crowd was really rocking. The game was played at Stanford, so. Um, 
the game was really rocking, and it was great to tune in. I was flipping between that and Monday Night Football, but you know, Monday Night Football got a little boring. It was a lot of a lot of running. You know, that slows the game down. I'm a being a former receiver, I love to watch the ball go in the air, big time plays, deep throws. But you know, it's, it's not bad to run the ball, and when you when it's working, ask Le'Veon Bell, ask the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you can run the ball and it begins to work, you stick to it with that kid running for a career high. Well, jumping back to the ESPN two game that was being displayed between the Stanford Cardinal and the Lady Huskies. I mean, that game was it was incredible to watch. It felt like a March Madness tournament type game, and with it coming down to the last few seconds, and the the lady for the Lady Cardinals, her her name was Orange. I mean, she was she was balling last night. I mean, it was it was a great great game to see. I mean, she she just couldn't be stopped. She was going hand in hand, going back and forth with Brianna Stewart of the Lady Husky, who was the National Player of the Year last year, and also she won the SB for Women's College Women's Athlete of the Year. Whoop-de-whoop. But you know, they got beat last night. It was great to see Gino Ariema, you know, finally taking the loss because usually year after year. You see UConn win games. You see them blow out every team, and it gets boring. It used to be, you know, between them and Tennessee, but now UConn has last few years, almost a decade, I would say, that UConn has really taken that women's basketball throne, and they've been taking it to a whole nother level. But the Lady Cardinal, they're saying, hey, we have something to say about that too. Don't forget about us. We beat UConn twice once they come out and have these extreme winning streaks they just happen to struggle every time they travel to the Bay Area to go visit Stanford University and those ladies up there. I mean, they do a, they do a tremendous job up there. And Brianna Stewart, you know, being the former All American, former Player of the Year, she finished they are, she finished the game with twenty three points, ten rebounds, but it just wasn't enough, and they couldn't really stop the penetration of the guard play coming out of Lady Cardinal. And I know UConn has a lot of freshmen, a lot of young talent coming in. But, I mean, the Stanford Cardinal, they just, those ladies, I mean, it was pretty much out of three scores, out of the lady Lily Thompson, Amber Orange, like I said, and Bonnie Samuelson. I mean, between those three, they had 24, 17, 14, respectfully. And everybody else just had their bits and pieces. And I think as a whole team, that's how you – kind of beat a team like UConn, especially um, the way that the Lady Cardinals were running. I mean, they, they played up to, I think they played nine girls last night, but UConn only, they only played seven or nine, yeah, maybe even that. Like, they played seven girls last night. You got nine fresh, talented, and, you know, just a high energy. Like, you, you are you able to go that deep and throw nine girls in there, especially over getting over ten minutes, I mean that's that's pretty darn that's pretty dang good and plus going overtime. I mean you had the depth, you have the energy, you had the longevity to compete against the Lady Husky team who only threw out seven players, which I I didn't understand that. I mean Gino he is a national championship winning NCAA women's coach, so he knows it better than I do. But I just don't understand how you can beat seven girls trying to take on nine to ten ladies and come and try to be victorious but that's what you have to do you have to have a deep roster who you know you can count on to take out like a number one team such as a powerhouse UConn Lady Huskies I mean that game last night was just incredible it was great to see can't wait for more of the Lady Cardinal to come out and see if UConn women's can bounce back from that 
But along with that, it was it was tons of men's game last men's basketball play last night. The NFL game was on. Like I said before, the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell had a career day last night. But there was also some uh, some more NFL talks. Um, head coach of the Washington Redskins, Jay Gruden, came out with some statements talking about RG three and telling RG three, you know, don't worry about what's going on off the field. Don't worry about the media. Don't worry about talking about your own players and getting yourself together. Basically, as of what he meant through some of his comments. And I think, first of all, I think Gruden is trying to save his spot, save his job. Not only that, um, not only not only is he trying to save his job, but he's also trying to help out RG three, who's been going through a tremendous amount of uh, scrutiny. But he needs that help. He needs someone to tell him, "Hey, knock off everything else that's going around. We know that you're the owner's child. We know the owner freaking adores you. Not really his child, but." The way he gets treated in Washington, I mean, they pretty much love him. And, you know, Jay Gruden's like, yo, not, don't worry about all the nonsense. You need to get yourself together first. And that's true because RG3, like I said, the last nine starts, like I stated yesterday, he's 1-8. And, and for a guy to be 1-8 and, and still going to the media talks as if nothing's wrong or he's a step or two behind. No, this this guy, he's playing, RG3 is playing really, really bad, trying to blame it on other players. You got to get yourself together before you can start blaming others. Make sure your game is A1 before you can talk about someone else's. And, yeah, he does need to distract all the outsiders, like the guy Brian Mitchell, who came out just bluntly threw shots at RG3 yesterday, or after Sunday after his comments on the radio show. And he just he needs to ignore all that. Don't try to go back. Don't try to answer that guy's questions, his thoughts, his opinions. You just got to get better. You just got to keep playing and get better in practices and make sure your teammates can trust you. And, I mean, Jay Gruden, he, he pretty much said it bluntly. I mean, he doesn't want to lose his job, but at the same time, he knows. He, it shows that he cares for RG3. He shows that, you know, he's worried about this young quarterback and he doesn't want to see him go downhill and try to, argue about what's going on outside of the locker room. He needs to get himself together, just like what Coach Gruden has stated. And that way he has he has nothing else to worry about. He has to worry about himself, worry about his position. And Jay Guru stated, you know, work on his footwork, his fundamentals, because the film doesn't lie and his progression at the line of scrimmage and his quarterback position, because everybody at the end of the day is going to depend on RG3. I mean, he's the quarterback of the team. When you, when you can't even depend on your quarterback – it kind of puts doubt in yourself, especially I know as a receiver, when you can't depend on that quarterback, it makes things a lot of frustration because you got to think about what he's doing before you even think about yourself, and then that takes you out of your game. Not only that, it takes you out the whole team. It's a team concept, RG3. Your defense is looking at you saying, hey, we need you to move the ball. We're tired as heck. We need to get off the field. But when you can't move the ball, when you keep going three and out, and then you come back and answering questions to the media, talking about the team, the team, the team, and they're looking at you like, hey, you got to say something about yourself. I mean, look at Peyton Manning. First thing after every loss that he takes, Peyton Manning talks about himself. He tells the media, you know what, first things first, I need to get better. I need to get better at doing this, this, and that. And we're talking about a guy who's broken several records thus far, still playing the game after neck injuries, after neck surgeries. I mean, this guy is still playing at elite, high-level, MVP candidate type numbers year after year going to the Super Bowl last season got demolished but he still 
has the courage and the knowledge to blame himself first. He says he doesn't want his his teammates to get knocked in by the media. He'll knock his teammates if they're off, if they're not doing it. I, he's saying he'll take care of it before the media does. That's a leadership-type quarterback. RG3 definitely doesn't have the leadership. And I don't know, if, you know, a lot of people argue, you know, leadership is a born with you or does it develop over time. Uh, to me, in my aspect, I think you're born a leader. It just depends on how how you come about it. When do you want to use it? Do you want to just be the second guy? Do you want to be the shy guy? Do you want to be uh, robbing to, to another guy's Batman? Or do you want to be the Batman? Do you want to go out, set the leadership, set the tone, have around a, a the guys follow you? Because right now, if you're following RG3, I mean, you're going to get the results that they're getting thus far. They have a great talented team, but it's, it all starts with RG3. And then RG3 stated on his Twitter he says, quote, it's unfortunate that anyone would take a piece of my press conference to say that I threw my teammates under the bus. These men are my family. I would never throw my teammates under the bus. I take responsibility for my play and will play better, end quote. I mean, that's, I guess you could say that's the right way to go about things, but you, you, should, you shouldn't even say anything back. You should just say, no, I'm going to get better this week and move on to next week. And I love my teammates. That's it. That's all you should say. All this other stuff, talking about taking a piece out the press conference, I mean, that shows that the media has his head, and he's not really focused on football. Now, I think RG3 needs to f- focus back on football, come back to the RG3 that we believed in, who won the Heisman Trophy over Andrew Luck and Trent Richardson. I mean, come back and show that RG3 once again. And I think there will be nothing else to say. There will be no more arguments. Also, some other news that was stated yesterday in the coaches' press conference. Bruce Arians came out, you know, he's getting ready for the Seattle game and make sure his guys are getting ready. To, and then the question that Bruce Arians is always being asked uh, about is how is that O-line and how is the offensive line struggling when they're running the football. But Bruce Arians not only said, you know, yeah, the offensive line, yeah, they do struggle. We do need to do better up front. But also Andre Ellington needs to get better. And that kind of, I kind of sat back and really had to think about that because I'm like, wait a minute, Andre Ellington, he's been doing all he can. He's a smaller back, you know. He he doesn't have a, a great two back system, which kind of hinders his carries and out there when he's protect protection blocking for Drew Stanton and Carson Palmer. I mean, this guy doesn't have a lot of help. I mean, you have Robert Hughes who comes in for maybe a play or two, but doesn't really. Give Andre Ellington, you know, the the amount of breaths that he used to get before, uh, what's that kid's name, who got kicked off the team for beating, for having domestic violence. And, you know, this puts a lot on Andre Ellington as well. But then I sat back and thought about it. I'm like, well, yeah, Andre Ellington, he does need to pick up his game as well. He needs to be become a better pro um, on, on Sundays, you know. And Bruce Arians, you know, he gave him praise. He said, this guy is getting it done. On practice, I mean, he's practicing, but on Wednesdays, on their most padded practices days, on their more running days, and um, that middle day of the week, yeah, that is a day in football during practice week. That is the toughest day. As a player to get through, that's when you got to go full pads, more contact. You know, you really don't want to be around so many contact during the week, but you got to get it in because you got to make sure that you can handle that contact before Sunday comes along and last time you've been hit was last Sunday. So you got to have a contact day in between, which I understand. And Andre Ellington, he hasn't been practicing that. 
he has been taking those Wednesdays off. And it's starting to show a little bit from Bruce Arians' standpoint on Sundays. He's saying, you know, um, Andre Elton, he needs to get better. He needs to practice more on Wednesdays. He's been out these last couple of Wednesdays, and he's not really practicing that day. And you can tell that it's kind of shying him away from contact or whatnot. And it kind of shows on it's basically showing on on Sundays and Bruce Arians needs is stating that this guy needs to pick up his play. He's trying to cut it back too much, trying to make a big play after every play. But this kid, I mean, last Sunday, like I said, um, against the Lions, when I say yesterday, he was only averaging about two yards a carry. They're the worst rushing team in NFL, and yards per carry, Andre Ellington is is pretty low. Over this season thus far, I mean, he's eleventh in this. He's eleventh in the NFL right now, rushing with 186 attempts, 624 yards, and three touchdowns. But his yards per carry, his yards average, I mean, it's it's not that well. He's uh, he's averaging about three yards a carry. When compared to last season, it was about four to five yards a carry, five yards a pop, and it was no complaining. But this season, I mean, he's only averaging about three yards a carry, so he needs to pick up his game, find holes. And Bruce Arians is still believing, you know, Bruce Arians is still believing that this offense is going to keep winning, and he's not worried about Seattle too much. He knows about Seattle's presence in their passing game and their passing defense, I should say. And But he... Bruce Arians said, you know, it all starts with the rushing. And as long as we get our rushing yards down packed and as long as we get the rushing game going, and there's no worries. And it starts with Andre Ellington. He needs to pick up his game as well. And I agree. I definitely agree with Bruce Arians because Andre Ellington, I don't know if he's tired. I don't know if he's not seeing the hole develop as quickly. I know there's been a lot of injuries up front with that Cardinals offensive line. But like I stated before, you know he hasn't been that threat like he was last season. Um, out the backfield, he's been he's been doing a tremendous job of catching the ball, getting a field out the backfield, giving Drew Stanton and Carson Palmer an outlet to throw the ball to and watch him wiggle his way. He can create something out of out of nothing sometimes, which he's using his athletic ability and his elusiveness in the open field after catches. But when it comes down to handing the ball off, giving this guy the ball in the backfield. I mean, he's not really producing the way he should. Not only that, you have, you're visiting the Seattle Seahawks, who's very, very, does very well against a rush defense, as a rush defense, I have to say. It's going to be hard for them to run the ball, period. But we're going to take another break. We're going to come back with our last segment. We're going to talk more about the NBA, more NFL talk, and we'll be right back. You listen to Kwame Lasher's Sports Talk Show. We'll be right back. flagship station for sports voice america sports do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps super bowl previews a look at the new starting quarterbacks and weekly key injuries we'll take your calls and emails right on the air Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. 
Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Hey, welcome back to the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. I am in studio. I am live. This is Demi Lachey in the studio. I just got a text from Kwame saying he just landed back in the Valley. He just landed back in Phoenix. So he may be calling in on this last segment, which is pretty late for him. But we're not gonna, I'm not going to give him a headache. But one thing that caught me in the NBA, I kind of got cultural shock, was this guy Dwight Howard. And the praise and the presence and how the NBA culture, as in the players, I guess you could say, feel about Dwight Howard. Now, I'm a big Dwight Howard. I'm, I'm not a huge Dwight Howard fan. I'm sorry. But I respect him and what he does. He is a big body. He's a big presence. Him and Blake Griffin get judged a certain type of way from the NBA culture, from NBA players, than what outsiders think. Say for myself, a guy who never, never played in the NBA, especially in today's world, never seen these guys, never been up close with Dwight Howard or Blake Griffin. But they take a lot of heat, you know, from these NBA players of how soft they are. Now, to me, if you look at Dwight Howard, 6'11", 7 foot, 270-plus pounds, I don't see anything soft about him. I mean, he has the frame. Yeah, he, he has that ugly, jolly smile, I guess you could say. That he loves to do a lot. He jokes around a lot. Pretty funny guy. Seems like a great guy to be around. But I guess that's him all the time, even in very intense moments on the court or off the court. Just a couple of days ago, when the Thunder and the Rockets were playing one another, Dwight Howard and Kevin Durant approached each other, got in the face. And Durant was explicitly saying some things to Dwight Howard to his face. And Dwight Howard still didn't, you know, it doesn't show reaction. He's being a pro, being professional, of course. Don't want to get tagged. About he's all about his money, so he don't want to get tagged and get caught with no extra money being um, coming out of his check. But, you know, Kevin Durant, this guy has a broken foot. but He's about 6'9", 6'10", 200 pounds, if that. And he, he jumps in the face of Dwight Howard, and I'm just surprised with some of the things that Kevin Durant was saying to Dwight Howard in his face, that Howard just had no reaction at all. And I'm starting to believe now, like, okay, maybe this guy is really that soft. Maybe, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about it, a lot of people saying, I'm just, I don't buy into it. I'm like, this guy is 6'11", 6, 6, 7 foot, 270 plus pounds. Like, how, how is, you can't tell a guy who's that big he's soft. There's no way. But when you got a, a guy 
who's limited pushing 200 pounds and Kevin Durant jumps in the face with the injury, with the injured foot, finally has the boot off, is getting in Dwight Howard's face and calling him a name, and Dwight Howard still has no reaction. Not only that, Blake Griffin has the same thing. Everybody's always grabbing him, punching him, and doing little nudges to him, getting in his face, and Blake Griffin never reacts. He always does the tough man look, tough man smile, whatever, the little smirk. And he has somebody else like Matt Barnes come and saves the day for him. And Matt Barnes came out and said, like, hey, some guys need to step up. I'm tired of getting fined. Or somebody didn't have to pay my fines or step up and take care of their own business. And I never really heard too much from Matt Barnes after that, after that statement last season. But throughout the season, it started to show more and more during the playoffs when Blake Griffin was getting punked around in the paint. But these guys are MVP candidates. And they're great at their position. They're always getting looked at as being one of the best players in each other position. But, I mean, these guys are getting called out 24-7 by each team. And I'm just like, I'm just surprised by that. I'm like, man, you are you got Blake Griffin's about 6'10", 260. I mean, how, how, how do you let another man call you soft? Earlier this season, Kobe Bryant, pushing 30, pushing 40 years old, gets in the face of Dwight Howard. Calls him some names as well. And Dwight Howard still does a jolly little smile, starts talking back, yada, yada, yada. Everybody loves me. I want everybody to love me. But that's the thing, Dwight Howard. Sometimes you can't be too nice. And I haven't seen that attitude come out of Dwight Howard yet. I mean, yeah, I guess you could say he's keeping a smart head on his shoulders and whatnot. But even during his play, he doesn't get really aggressive enough. His his anger... He shies away from using his aggression throughout his play. So I don't know where do you do you blame Dwight Howard for? Do you blame him really just not, or do you blame the other guys trying to jump in his face? Are they trying to just get in his head? Because I mean, regardless, he's not really showing. That. I mean, he's only putting up seventeen, eighteen points a game, where he could be dominating the game, putting up twenty-seven and fifteen every night. If he uses aggressiveness, and that's, I think that's part of the reason why so many people are calling him soft so much. Calling him, Blake Griffin soft so much. And I just think that's a level of disrespect, but I mean, there's a time, there's a point in time where you just gotta, you know, let guys know as a man, you know, I feel like as a man, you gotta just let another man know, like, hey, you're not gonna get in my face. If another guy get in my face, this is, this is what's gonna happen. I mean, because it not only happened once in the first, what, three, four weeks of the NBA, but it happened twice. And I can see it happening even more with guys just jumping into White Howard's face and the White Howard not even showing any little to little no reaction. And I'm I'm just very, you know, surprised by that because, because I mean, look how big the White Howard is. His shoulders are just, just gigantic. Who would not love, as a man, who would not want to have that guy's shoulder structure? I mean, that guy is, he's built like a specimen, but it's guys who are smaller than you who jump in your face, who come in your face and just disrespects you like that. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be a man about yours. You gotta send back a statement. And I, I, I just, that, that really just caught me off guard. Like, I was just very surprised by that. I'm like, yo, you, like, you got to show something. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal would not allow that to happen. Kim Olajuwon, Tim Duncan wouldn't even allow that to happen. No one that comes in Tim Duncan's face, calls him out a name, calls him out his name, and gets away with it. You know, if you're going to do that, then Tim Duncan's going to hold his ground. Kevin Garnett's going to hold his ground. 
And then we're talking about guys who not even fit for Dwight Howard. But it just really caught me on guard. Now the Cavs and the Rockets, they're both looking to sign free agent Corey Brewer. Or not free agent Corey Brewer, but looking for trades to of obtaining Corey Brewer out of Minnesota. Which, I mean, he's a good wing player, but I think that would be too much for Cleveland because then you will have to find Corey Brewer minutes and you'll have to take away minutes from Deion Waiters, who's developing. Not only that, Sean Marion. You have Sean Marion and Mike Miller off the bench. I mean, why bring in Corey Brewer? What What is that going to do for you, uh, Cleveland? Just to add another name, just to make LeBron James that more secure? I just don't get it. And... Other news, I'm right. Other news is going around the NBA. The Suns did suspend PJ Tucker for violating team rules, and he missed out on misses a flight to a game, so he's being suspended for that game as well. I mean, and PJ Tucker, I think he's a very valuable unit to this Phoenix Suns team. He's kind of that small forward power. You can throw him in a power forward segment. And he can get in and get the job done, especially when they want to go small and play small ball when they have Isaiah Thomas, Eric Bledsoe, and Dragic. You can throw in Tucker at the four and get valuable minutes out of him. So, I mean, but this guy, he just keeps doing crazy, silly things. And, you know, first he was suspended with the DUI that he had in Arizona, which he missed about, I think it was the first three or four games. Come back and now you miss a team flight. I mean, what what could you been doing to miss a team flight? Was you out in Scottsdale going in too hard in Old Town, or was you down in Tempe just having a ball on Mill Avenue, or was you out in Glendale? I mean, I don't understand why. How do you miss a team flight after playing a game? And now you got to not only that you get suspended once again. And this guy just signed a three year, sixty five and a half, sixteen and a half million dollar contract back in July. But all this is stuff. But all these things are starting to happen after that contract is being signed. So maybe they pulled. Maybe Phoenix pulled the trigger too hard on this PJ Tucker guy. Or hopefully he can bounce back and just stop doing silly stuff, almost like Jameis Winston, which he cannot stop. Two days ago, I think it was, I believe no, it was Monday yesterday. Kevin Hart visited the Florida State seminoles football team after their practice after their practice kevin hart came in the locker room talked with james Winston, and funny clip went out and was vined all over the uh the internet i mean it was just pretty much everywhere kevin hart just basically got in the face of james Winston, and told him you know what you need to stop doing dumb ish you know kevin hart that's that's funny because he's he's a straight up probably the funniest comedian the hottest comedian right now um in the world but in a jokingly way, he said it, but I think he somewhat meant it because he looked James right now. And I don't think, and I think, I don't know if James gets tired of hearing this from everyone, but guys are trying to help this kid out. And I think Kevin Hart said it in a joking way because then he said something about, you know, I was going to bring you some crab legs as well. And, you know, that was the big joke about it. But, I mean, how often, how, how much does it, what more does it take? What more do you have to hear from others outside of the game of football? I mean, you're talking about a comedian who's who's obviously a fan of yours, who's obviously he's doing a college tour and he made a stop before the state, but he made sure he got a chance to get face-to-face with James Winston and give him a little knowledge in a jokingly way. But I think, I mean, I think Kevin Hart really meant what he said, though, and, you know, he and I don't know how much more James Winston can hear from other from others 
that he can't that he just needs to stop doing dumb stuff. And you know, lately he hasn't. Lately he's been doing some pretty, pretty, pretty good stuff, pretty well, uh, spectacular, great things. Especially leading Florida State to second half victories and fourth quarter victories on the on the road and at home games. I mean, he's been doing his thing. I think he's trying to get his draft stock back in order, back up to par. But it's almost like it well, wasn't until he messes up again. That's what everyone thinks of when they hear about James Winston. What well, he's gonna, something else is gonna happen along the way. But I think it's, it's starting to hinder on him. I think he's starting to grow and he's starting to figure out, like, hey, I just need to stop doing dumb-ish. And let me just focus on football, which he is, and then let the offseason take care of itself. Now, the whole big story is, is he going to come back next season? Is he going to build up his draft stock? Is he going to leave Florida State to another national championship? Or And, you know, he has all this to worry about. I think he needs to come back next season and repeat and try to win another national championship, get another Heisman under his belt, just to show his maturity, his development, without going through any trouble that he can handle in off season. He could develop his game, develop his whole and playing throughout a whole game. I mean, he, in the pressure situations, James. I mean, he comes out big, and that's how he becomes the James Winston that he is. But outside of that, you know, Florida State is not getting the the love that they should in the rankings in, the, in this college playoff, which one team is not going to get as much love as the other. But Florida State hasn't lost a game since Jameis Winston been starting quarterback in him almost two seasons now. But right now in the playoff ranking, they're ranked number three, and they just keep falling. They were number two last week. Now they drop more, one more down to number three. And I, I just don't understand it. I mean, this guy, they haven't lost in two-plus seasons yeah, they, they, they get down in the first half. Yeah, they have turnovers. They play terrible football in the first half. But then they come back alive in the second half. They come back and win the ball game. I mean, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. It's if we're winning or if we're losing, and these guys are coming out on top, and James Winston is leading the way. But they're still not getting the love and the respect that they should in the playoff, in the college playoff in this four-team deal. And I hope, I hope that this will be – the last year for this four team playoffs just because it's a lot of a lot of teams that's gonna be left out. Um especially teams with one one losses. One of those one loss teams are gonna get in, maybe one or two. And then some guys who you can argue with one losses that should be in, that could be in as well. But they're just not. And you know, I think I think that playoff I think that whole deal just needs to change out. Go back go Stick it to eight, eight teams. Put eight teams in that round ball tournament and let those guys go out with it. I mean, we'll see what these four teams are going to do to one another. But it's a lot of teams that's getting left out or that's not getting the respect that they should because they're not in a SEC West or Pac-12 South or Big Tw- or not playing competitive football in the Big Twelve. But it's, it's tons of teams that should be in there. Nebraska, I mean, they're all the way ranked at 16th right now, and they're 8-1. and one. That team could be in there. They're a Big Ten football team with the one loss. I mean, it's several teams. Um, like Duke. Duke, uh, they just came across a second loss this past weekend, but they had one loss, but they was already ranked like 22nd. And But you're, you're talking about a one-loss team as well who's playing in the ACC, who's playing against Florida State in that same competition in Clemson. 
and it's it's just going to be awkward to see how they're going to put Baylor, who has a one loss in Ohio State, Arizona State, even though they took a tough loss to up there in Oregon State. Where do you put them? Even if they went out the Pac-12 and win the Pac-12 championship, how does that happen? If they have the chance that they can beat U of A in Oregon, then what do you do with them? But we're gonna have to get up out of here. We out of time. We out of time right now. We're off tomorrow, but we we will be back in studio on Thursday. Thursday we'll be back live. Kwame will be in. So will I. Thank you for tuning in, Demi Lache. Thank you for tuning in to the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. When we'll see you Thursday. We out. for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. <laughs>